The stories contained in this podcast are the recollections of the guests we've invited onto the show. We are an outlet for people to share their truths, and we accept no legal responsibilities for the stories contained herein. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is Enough, a podcast that aims to shine light into the darkened corners of the music industry while discussing the ways we can and should improve ourselves and in turn our community. We are back after a month of rest and relaxation and winter hibernation and holiday-driven panic. And we are back for another calendar year of the Enough Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kendra Sheets. It's so nice to see your face and hear your voice, Kendra. It's been forever. You missed me! <laughs> yeah, I'm your other host, Rich Gill. And today, we're going a ranting. That's right. All this non-podcasting has got me all types of sassy. And I want to talk about some shit that makes me pissed. So while this episode kind of started out with the intent to do a deep dive into the Me Too movement, it kind of shifted into a very different direction and a direction where I get a bit louder and a bit more exasperated and Rich tries to stay level-headed, kind of mostly anyway. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Let's do this. We are back, baby. Uh, I'm sure everyone who has listened to us before even one episode at least has a basic idea of what the Me Too movement is. We'll refer to Wikipedia, though, for those of you who may not be aware of it. Wikipedia defines it as a social movement against sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and rape culture in which people publicize their experiences of sexual abuse or sexual harassment. The phrase Me Too was initially used in this context on social media in 2006 on MySpace by sexual assault survivor and activist Toronto Burke. MySpace. That shows you how far back it goes. For about a decade, it sort of lived in social media and activist circles before it fucking rocked and shocked the general public in 2016. But while Me Too and the movement has allowed sexual assault survivors to share their stories very openly and to highlight sexual violence in multiple industries. And the music industry seems to kind of have emerged from all of this wreckage somewhat unscathed, especially when you compare it to like the demise of what happened in the film industry. There's been lawsuits and accusations, social media posts and the like, but the music industry has not really had like a good formal taking out of the trash the same way that Hollywood has done. Yeah, we get like one, one or two every once in a while. Yeah, and it feels really different. It feels like there was kind of like a, when Me Too first started, well, not first started, but like we talked about, 2016, when things kind of like the wave crested, it was like every 12 hours, it was just like for days and days, there was just like this consistent cleanup of like accusations, proof, you know, Ben Affleck saying, oh, I support survivors. And then within like 12 hours, someone came out against him and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I definitely did that. I mean, like, we just really haven't had a similar version of that. And it's definitely not because it's not there. It is there. And I'm kind of wondering if that's why music, specifically our sect of the world in the punk scene, feels like we're consistently swimming through molasses when it comes to the allegations and the results of the allegations. So kind of like we said, over the last few years, punk fans and their members have been called out, mostly via social media, for their abusive behavior, including assault and rape. One example, one of the first ones that I remember in our sort of punk scene getting any sort of small press, whatever you yeah. want to call it, the casualties, now ex-singer Jorge Herrera, had multiple accusations of assault come out starting in 2013. 
That included allegations of raping a 16-year-old girl. I just went back and reread those on the Reddit threads. And yeah, it's... It's fucked. Totally. The amount of claims grew and the information became public knowledge in 2015, which resulted in a bunch of shows being canceled. Jorge willingly quit the band in 2017, not because of the allegations, but because he decided the touring lifestyle was no longer for him. The statement the band published made absolutely no mention of the sexual assault allegations at all. They got a new singer and fucking for some reason still keep playing shows today. Someone's got a co-headline fucking punk rock bowling. (laughs) Yeah. And also there are so many bands that do that style so much better who are not problematic. And um, that's how I feel about all of this is like just pluck out the shit bags and like leave the rest. Another example, how about brand new? Jesse. He's been accused of sending nude photos to minors. He's contacted a fan via Skype while masturbating. And he was coercing at least one minor into taking nude photos and sending them to him. There was definitely grooming. There was assaulting women in general. When all of this came to light, and similar to the casualty situation, similar to so many of these situations, it's, you know, one or two stories on like a blog, like a Tumblr or some shit like that, right? And like, or Reddit. And then someone else says, oh, me too. And then someone says, and you know, hence the me too movement, right? So, and then you just have this snowball effect where, you know, one turns into seven, turns into nine, or you've got a Cosby situation and you're at like, what is it now? Like 72 or some shit like that? Uh, uh, Lost track, yeah. Yeah, about as many as his age and he's 81 now, I think. So Jesse blamed all of these actions. He he did the kind of thing that we've talked about before, the kind of like Mad Libs apology, where it's an apology, but there's also a lot of like diverting of accountability. A lot of caveats to the apology. Yeah. And this one was like, oh, I did this because I have a sex addiction. Okay. It is what it is. What are you doing to take care of that sex addiction? Oh, I don't know. Brand new just went on tour in the fall. Was anything actually taken care of? Ian Watkins of Lost Profits. Probably monster human, an actual monster human being. Probably the worst, most fucked up of all of the people that we'll talk about it. Without a doubt. Again, might be the only person, maybe, uh, in the music industry who is serving a prison sentence. Definitely has like the longest one I've heard. Yeah. 35 year prison term in Wakefield, England for 13 child sex offenses that are honestly just too heinous to even mention here. But if you really want to know about it, Simple Google search will do the trick. There's a bunch of hour-long videos on YouTube you can watch about this fucking monster of a human being and all the stuff that he's pulled. It's super graphic, really gross and twisted. And while we talk about some really serious stuff on this podcast, I can't even get into it and subject our listeners to the specifics of this case. No, you're on your own with that one if you guys want to take a look at that. It's really heinous. Billy Joel Armstrong's kid, Joey? of that band Swimmers that has no vowels in the title. He was accused of sexual misconduct and coercion by the regrets Linda Knight. There's the Orwells, I think they disbanded. Cam Avery of Tame Impala. Harmar Superstar got culture abuse, they disbanded. Uh, Ben Hopkins of Power Bottom, The Front Bottoms, Teenage Bottle Rocket, No Bunny, She Wants Revenge, Pierce the Veil. Dance Gavin Dance, Front Porch Step of Mice and Men. Panic at the Disco, who apparently just completely disbanded slash broke up slash retired today. Uh, And again, not for these reasons, but because the singer is having his first child and no longer wants to tour. 
So Right. He's chosen. It's not chosen. because of accountability reasons. Yeah. Uh, there's Bring Me the Horizon, Mom Jeans, Real Estate, The Smith Street Band, another gross uh, band, Blood on the Dance Floor, Saves the Day, similar to the Jesse Lacey situation. The list goes on and on to the point that we could dedicate an entire episode to just listing all the punk slash indie slash emo bands with allegations against them. There's spreadsheets online. There, yeah. <laughs> there are. There are multiple. Yeah. All the bands we listed have a member or members of the band who have been accused of abuse, assault, rape, etc. Some of the members have removed themselves and the band continued on like the front bottoms. Some of the bands have broken up straight up like power bottom and culture abuse. Some are still touring and actively denying allegations, and people are still supporting them and going to their shows, just like Teenage Bottle Rocket. This is not a punk scene problem. This is not a music industry problem. This is an international issue. This is a morality problem. This is a power dynamic-based problem. This is mostly a gender-based problem. And with all of these allegations against bands and artists, why are we, the music industry, the punk scene, music in general, still without any sort of organized version of the Me Too movement. Why are these things getting quickly forgotten or swept under the proverbial rug? I think it's because we, unlike the film industry, haven't really held people to the same accountability. Sure, bands have posted half-assed apology statements, like we just talked about, you know, those kind of like mad libs, cut and paste words, like all kind of similar, but they swap out certain words. We've talked about it here before. They're half-hearted, they blame drugs or alcohol. They're swearing now that they're getting some sort of help through therapy or in a sort of group rehab. And, you know, they're working on themselves and they apologize because of the, all of these things. And for a year, the band will go on hiatus. You know, you won't hear anything. And suddenly there'll be like a small batch of shows that gets announced, usually like around where they're from. Then they'll be like in the state that they're from. Then they'll be in the region. The next thing you know, they're selling out national dates all over again. We've mentioned it before, but it definitely bears repeating. Neither Kendra or myself are people who are able to separate the art from the artist. For me personally, I believe the accuser's stories. I've heard enough of them that you can tell when someone is telling you the truth about something that happened to them. There are emotions that you can't make up. Humans are trusting. We want to be trusting by nature, right? So when someone says, this happened, you want to believe them. When someone says, no, that never happened, you want to believe them too. The difference is if you've sat down and you've had a conversation with someone who's gone through something, the likelihood that they're able to express those type of things with that much emotion, the, the likelihood that they're not being honest in that. Of course, we've talked about this before. There, there are situations where in all things, people lie, but the stats really don't lie here. Most of these situations are correct. If you have one person coming forward and then you have 25 other people, no one's doing this for a cash grab with a punk band. You know, this is not like Bill Cosby level where you might get a million dollars. Power Bottom's not going to pay you out some cash. The whole idea that this is for clout or to, you know, get some sort of recognition. This isn't the kind of recognition that anyone ever wants. It's fucking gross that people think that. For myself, you know, it's very hard to make the conscious decision to continue supporting Ryan Adams after the accusations came out against him. Ryan Adams is an artist that I loved since... He was in Whiskey Town in the 90s, you know, and support in this case means anything from buying his music digitally or physically, streaming it to the point that he makes half a cent on, <laughs> you know, each album that I listen to, buying tickets to his shows. Um, that action of support to me would mean that I value a woman's experience, one of the worst experiences that she has probably ever had happen to her. I value that less than an hour or so that it takes to listen to Heartbreaker for the 500 millionth time. 
Like, what the fuck, punk scene? Honestly, like, what the fuck? We're supposed to be this kind of like, you know, if you see someone fall down in the pit, pick them up kind of community, right? You see that ship circling around the internet like three to five times a year. So why is it that the masses in this group continue to not hold these people accountable for their shitty fucking harmful action? If you see someone fall down, i.e. sharing allegations of assault, probably one of the worst thing that's ever happened to them, then you should pick them up, i.e. support them. Support them against the person they are accusing. But how does the supposedly progressive scene support their victims? Is it by collectively choosing to turn a blind eye and ear to allegations? Because that fucking happens. Is it by ignoring any slander about a band or band member that we love? Anything negative at all? Because that fucking happens. I mean, separate the art from the artist, the song or the album from the band if you want to. But don't show up in our supposed community afterwards. Because you are the problem. I signed up for this shit because I was sold a group of like-minded, intelligent, rethinking people who were supposed to be one step ahead of the curve and receive people, the outsiders, with open arms. What I ended up with is a bunch of identical, small-minded assholes with self-esteem issues who are too cowardly to speak up for what they know is right because they're scared of being ostracized by their peers, who are also assholes. So I'm going to jump in here for a second and talk about <laughs> Thanks, <Rich>. platforming. <laughs> And how it affects the survivor and the artist, because this all ties into what Kendra was just talking about. And I think it's important to speak about this. When we're talking about punk rock and other smaller youth or alternative culture communities, your actions radiate so much more than if you're talking about huge hip hop artists or pop singers or rock bands. Supporting an artist who has been accused of abuse or their band it's basically slapping the faces of the victims over and over. It's re-traumatizing them. The more support bands get, the more likely they will be to get on more shows, headline festivals, get on movie soundtracks, you name it. And platforming can mean a number of things in this case. It can be something as seemingly minor as retweeting someone who is accused or liking something they posted on Instagram. It can also be giving them an actual platform to ignore the accusations and act as if they never did anything wrong. I can cite more than a handful of podcasts hosted by musicians I used to respect and admire as examples of this, but I'd rather not platform them here. See what I did there? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another example of platforming that also coincides with the idea of cancel culture. Again, all this stuff is related. It all sort of comes together in this hodgepodge mishmash of fucking grossness. Let's go over to the comedy community for a second. Louis C.K. was famously accused of sexual misconduct by a number of touring comedians. He admitted wrongdoing and went away for a little while. Now, while this happened, some people screamed that he was a victim of cancel culture, that his livelihood was taken away from him, his ability to support his family, whatever. So, what happened next? What happened to this man who was canceled to the point that, according to supporters, he couldn't perform anymore? He went on a sold-out tour and put out an album that won a fucking Grammy Award. How's that for cancel culture? His nomination and subsequent win was met with backlash not only from the women he assaulted, but from numerous sexual assault victim survivors. And regardless if you believe he should be allowed to still perform stand-up comedy in any capacity, and have access to more potential victims, you can't deny the fact that winning a Grammy is the pinnacle of platforming. The other thing that happens when you normalize this behavior by taking no action is that you're showing the other people around you in your community that this is okay. And it's socially acceptable 
to keep these people, to keep these bands, to keep these labels in our tight-knit community. And therefore, the survivor is not to be believed or trusted. And when these people remain in the community, they're given opportunities, like Rich was saying, shows and tours and festivals, which thrust them further into the public eye, where they're able to gain the trust of those around them, organ some new fans. And all the people in attendance can be exploited by someone of a celebrity-like status. Because we all have a little bit of that celebrity worship syndrome, right? But Kendra, you say, it's punk. There's no stages. We're all the same. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we're all the same? Think about when you met Jeff Rosenstock in the crowd. Or think about when Mike Park told you he liked your van shirt. Or that one time that Chuck Reagan shared his burrito with you at the Triple Rock. <laughs> Rich. I remember that time. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how underground, the scene still has heroes. It's got its own version of celebrities. These people are not just musicians to us. They become major players in our lives through their art. When we see them out in the real world, off the stage, it's hard not to get excited. These celebrity-like roles throw off the power dynamics because of who they are, what they mean to us, who they are to us, even if the artist doesn't realize this is going on. I've been doing band art and artist interviews for like a decade and a half, and I still fangirl out when I meet someone whose music I love. I may hide it better now than I did when I was 21, but it's still there. And I think it's probably always going to be, and I kind of hope it's always going to be, because it kind of, you know, it means that it means something to me. But there is a power dynamic shift. Our scene has been really quick to shrug its shoulders, and defend bad behavior, labeling it as, it's punk, you know, we're trash people, we're garbage, punk rock, baby. And it's just such a fucking bullshit excuse, man. It's so shitty. Like, yeah, our scene was built on recklessness and violent behavior and, like, pitting around and all this other bullshit, right? But it was also predominantly white for years. Does that mean that's how it should continue? Just being fucking a bunch of white dudes? Of course not. That's dumb. Excusing someone's violence as punk is the same excuse that was used in the 60s and 70s era, when abuse was labeled rock and roll, you know, it's all sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Was it rock and roll when Jackie Fox of the Runaways got raped by Kim Foley in a room full of people? Was Prince's infatuation with underage girls rock and roll? Was it rock and roll when David Bowie statutory raped a 14-year-old? Or maybe it was rock and roll when Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin kidnapped that same 14-year-old, raped her, and kept her in hiding for three years. Labeling behavior rock and roll or punk is nothing more than a failed attempt to rebrand disgusting and illegal acts to make them palatable in the name of a wild and fun music lifestyle. Punk's no different. Haley Williams has been in the news. Haley Williams of Paramour, in case anyone's not sure. Right. Goddess. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, she had a quote uh, at the When We Were Young Festival back in October uh, where she said, Quote, the scene was not always a safe place to be if you were different, if you were a young woman, if you were a person of color, if you were queer. And that's really fucked up if you think about it. I've had my fill of letting older people, especially older men, tell me what punk rock is and tell me what punk rock is not. Just today, there was a crusty old fuck on the internet saying that punk was supposed to be anti-establishment. Well, it is. And actually, I can think of nothing more anti-establishment than young women, than people of color and the queer community. End quote. Fuck yeah, right? And the comments on that article were filled with crusty old fucks <laughs> saying that she wasn't punk. So, point proven, Haley. Point fucking proven. Now, it can feel threatening when someone expects you to remove a band or artist or even a label from your rotation. I get it. We've all been there. We all have very specific, important memories tied to basement shows, 
or long night drives with only the stereo on, raging house parties that last for days. And for us mellophiles, I had to look that word up, <laughs> certain bands definitely defined eras of our lives. Operation Ivy is always going to make me think of when I was 16 years old, driving my fucking wood-paneled station wagon home from school, blasting energy because school sucked, and that was all that could take my mind off of it. Tiger Army, Power of Moonlight, 15 years, or no, 16 years old, driving my dad's old car that uh, to and from school, stick shift, basically just fucking stalling consistently, trying to learn how to drive a stick shift and listening to Nick 13. <laughs> Same shit. Uh, it's always yeah. in there. It's not going to go away. And that's okay. But not currently giving your money to a band doesn't mean that you're abandoning your memories of that group. While not supporting the punk artists with misconduct allegations in the past can seem like you've canceled the whole entire scene, you haven't. What you have done is make room in your life for other artists that may have been overshadowed by their more often than not white male counterparts. So don't deprive a band of greatness because you're too scared to let go of your emotional ties to another artist or band who has knowingly hurt others, and likely will again. There have been musicians called out in the music scene and in the punk scene. We haven't yet received our Me Too Day of Reckoning. Not yet, anyway. But it's fucking coming, and we hope that you're on the right side of history when it does. Enough is a podcast centering on surviving abuse, harassment, and assault in the music scene. To help get the word out, please like and subscribe and share with your friends. If you have been on the receiving end of harm from someone, be it artist, venue owner, booking agent, audience member, or someone else, and would like to share your story on a future episode, please reach out to us at thisisenoughpodcast at gmail.com. All correspondences are kept confidential.